You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. And for the first time in 2019, the lights have taken full effect. From backdoor sliders to the batter's eye, and finally, up to the booth, Ken Korak takes you inside the game with Taking Effect. Now, here's the voice of the A's, Ken Korak. We join you from the A's bullpen today as the A's are continuing a homestand that has seen the A's play the Astros and the Yankees so far and playing very well. Of course, and Scott Emerson, the A's pitching coach, joins us again. And Scott, there's so many topics to discuss since last time we spoke. Uh, and one reason uh, for getting together again is that you guys have pitched so well. Uh, last 20 games, your starting pitchers are 10 and 5, 320 ERA since the All Star break. Overall, the team ERA is under four. Um, how do you account for what's been going on uh, with your pitching staff? And along with that, what have been your impressions of the new guys who've joined the club, like uh, Homer Bailey and Tanner Roarks? Well, I, I think you know the number one thing you have to do when you're when you're a pitcher is throw strikes, and then also have the ability to throw balls when you want to make your pitches look like they're they're going to be strikes and then end up balls, and make your your pitches look like a ball that ends up a strike. And we got a lot of guys that you know throw strikes and they have good command, move their baseball around, have uh, you know a good secondary uh, pitches that make themselves unpredictable to the hitter. And our our guys go out there and, and they compete, man. I, I I've been so happy watching these guys go out there and compete each and every night. Uh, they want the baseball, they want to pitch, and it's been a lot of fun to see. You know, if I throw out a couple things at you, uh, first of all, uh, the A's lead the American League in fewest unearned runs allowed, which is a great stat. But as you know, you guys don't strike out many people. You're near the bottom of baseball in strikeouts as a staff. What do you make of those things? Well, you know, our, our personnel sometimes kind of uh, dictates on how you're going to pitch. Uh, you know, we got the best uh, infield defense, in my opinion, in baseball. We got uh, two really gold glove guys and a platinum glove winner. So let's exploit them a little bit and pitch to contact. And not just contact, but soft contact. You can't strike out guys until you get to two strikes. So that's kind of been a, a little bit of approach of ours is, you know, pitch ahead in the count. If the opportunity for the punch out is there, you can go for it but we got we got great defense our outfield plays great and and it's all about you know disruption the timing of the hitters so the exit velo is low and that gives our fielders a chance to make plays on the ground and in the air you know uh, fly balls are great also uh, or pop-up rates and, and but ground balls are great too and then strikeouts we want we all want them but you can't get them until two strikes so it's not necessarily like we're not trying to strike out guys but uh, you know looking back looking at the numbers we don't have many guys that have that one dominant slider and that slider has been that strikeout pitch this year in the big leagues so and and we don't have many starters that are 95 to 100 either so we have to we have to do it a little bit different the old-fashioned way in what i call pitching you know we got to have the ability to change speeds move the ball side to side keep the hitters off balance be unpredictable and uh i think that is what makes good pitchers 
you know, you mentioned getting a lot of pop-outs. As a staff, you guys do get a lot of pop-flies. Is that something that as a pitcher you can work on, or is that just kind of a quirky thing when it happens? Well, you know, uh, you know, the some of the new stuff that's, you know, being quantified better is, is spin rate. And just because you don't throw hard doesn't mean you can't pitch up, up at the top of the strike zone. We got some guys that got some good spin rates, so when they get ahead in the count, it's good to go up there and make the hitters chase and, and hopefully – pop the ball up and not hit into line drives. You know, if you stay in the middle of the plate, across the middle of the plate, uh, you know, the thigh-high pitch, middle to uh, middle in to middle away, you're, you're, you're going to be in trouble. So you got to pick a third. You're going to either pick the upper third or the bottom third, or you pick above for chase or below for chase with off speed. There's in off the plate and there's off the plate. So, so you know, we, we use our analytics to, to, to formulate the game plan of where the best pitches are to throw for location if you don't have the velocity. The velocity just helps you for margin of error. You know, I've, I've said this a lot too, Scott, as we're joined by Scott Emerson, the ace pitching coach on today's edition of Taking Effect and joining you from the ace bullpen. I've said this a lot recently, and that is that ace starting pitchers have navigated around a lot of trouble and left a lot of runners on base. What's the best way for a young pitcher to learn how to do that? Well, I always said uh, if you work as hard when you're in trouble, when you're not in trouble, you'll never be in trouble. You know, uh, <laughs> you got to go out there and mentally, uh, mental, mental focus and, and one pitch at a time is very important. Uh, you're, you could be one pitch away from a double play if you execute a good pitch at the bottom of the strike zone. Uh, so, I, I mean, scouting reports play a big factor into to what I think makes up a good pitcher. Uh, separation is preparation. We want these guys going out there knowing what they're going to do. Give them the information. This is the best way to succeed tonight. Some guys, we got to pitch at the bottom of the strike zone. Some guys, hey, this is a good bottom of the strike zone guy for a ground ball. His ground ball rate's uh, high. Yours is pretty good. Maybe you pitch him lower at this point in time when you got runners on base. Uh, this is your punch out guy. You, you want to elevate a little bit more fastballs. He'll chase elevated fastballs here. He'll chase breakers down below. But, you know, sometimes if the hitters are patient, and we've seen some teams that the hitters are very patient, that uh, they don't chase off the plate. So strikeouts don't really happen as much for us then, and we got it pitched to that soft contact. You know, it looked to me, and this is slightly off the subject, in the first inning in the second game of the Yankees series, where Mike Fires was pitching around Gary Sanchez, wound up walking him. Now, was he just missing? Was he pitching around him? How many times do you pitch around guys? Well, I mean, it, it's definitely, look, look, walks and homers kill you. Uh, walks don't kill you. Three walks don't kill you. Right. You know, three walks and a base hit kill you. You know, it's what happens after the walks that kill you. So you got to be very selective when you're going to pitch around guys. And, and you got to know that, hey, I, I got the ability to get the next guy out. Maybe my arsenal fits better pitching to the next guy, especially if I fall behind in the count. You know, I fall behind in the count. Do I really want to center cut a pitch or put the ball more over the plate for this guy to hit? And like I said earlier, home runs are big this year. They're going out of the ballpark at a, at a history rate. So keep the ball in the ballpark okay so Gary Sanchez comes up and we walk him and and the next guy hits a homer well that probably wasn't a good idea but then you probably still need two more hits generally if they're not homers to score a run so you're just kind of playing your your, your odds a little bit on your best chance of success of getting out of the inning your team ERA right now is about a half point better than major league average right 
I believe so. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, ERA is a, is a, is an okay indication of uh, of our pitching staff. You know, I really look at WHIP. I, I like, I enjoy looking at WHIP. How many runners are we really responsible for on putting on base? And, and let's not let's not get guys on base. Earn run average. You know, we got a good defense that helps out our earn run average. But then again. You know, it's a great historical statistic, and uh, I use it uh, as be. Yeah, let's look back on the acquisitions of the two veterans we talked about earlier. Tanner Roark, who came literally at the deadline, and before that, in the middle of July, uh, Homer Bailey. When you get a young uh, or a veteran, when you get, uh, Scott, a veteran uh, pitcher who joins your staff, what are the first couple things you try to do with that pitcher when he joins the club? Well, the first thing I, I like to do is just kind of go back on video and watch him pitch a few games and get a feel for what he likes to do and what he does best. And then Pike Goldschmidt, one of our analysts, uh, helps me put the, the game plans together along with our bullpen coach, Marcus Jensen. They, uh, you know, when we acquire a guy, it's not like we just look at one statistic, oh, he's pitching good and we acquire a guy. You know, our, our guys are looking at what he can do and what he can't do and what he's good at and uh, our analysts give us the information uh, and then it's it's our job to uh, help formulate the game plan so you know we we may when the guy comes in I may hit him a little bit with hey this is what we're expecting you to do uh, you know like Mike Fires last year hey you're an elevated fastball guy you're a good curveball guy at the bottom of the zone let's remember let's exploit those two pitches a little bit more uh, and then uh, then we can work off that and then just got to listen to the pitcher because you know experience tells me that if pitchers don't buy into what you're saying and they don't have the freedom to make some decisions decisions they're going to go out there and be stubborn and when they're stubborn that's not a good pitcher so you know I always tell them I'll support you hundred percent but I'm also going to give you a little tap when, when when we need to make an adjustment and we need to do something different you know guys are going to make mistakes you know one of the funniest things is I'm like hey this guy's a good curveball hitter well he's never seen my curveball boom home run and then mm -hmm. you're kind of laughing but you know it's all in seriousness like hey this is what the numbers are telling us at this point in time we don't want you to be able to we don't want you to do these things because in time this can hurt you mm -hmm. but if you do this you do that so but it's a combination of of getting the analytics from our uh pike and, and ben and, and formulating that game plan of what the pitcher likes to do because i know if he's not going to do the things uh that he doesn't like to do he's not going to feel comfortable out there so my job is to make sure he's out there comfortable and find a way to massage him mm -hmm. to, to to do the things that we, we we think that he should be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe I mean, a little more subtle. I mean, right? there, there's, there's some there. times yeah. where you're you're kind of you're playing the psychologist. Well, how am I going to really get this guy to use his elevator fastball a little bit more? You know, they don't like mm -hmm. it. Some guys, or how am I going to really get him to use his changeup in these situations? So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, you know gamemanship I think of trying to, to get guys to do the things that we think are good that they don't see it yet but eventually when the guys come around and say hey man you're right that's when we take off even higher and we can take the pitching part of it and go to the next level let's take the case of uh, of uh, Homer Bailey 
Been around a long time. He's had some injuries, but he's had a good career. He's thrown two no-hitters, as Mike Fires has. Uh, he's made seven starts for these. Five of those, I think, have been really good. He's had two tough ones. One was in Houston. The other was on the last road trip against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. After that start, what do you do with him? Do you sit down? Do you watch film? Do you go through some of the numbers? Because since he's made that start, He's pitched very well. It seems like maybe more of the usage of the splitter, maybe a little more unpredictable with his pitches. What do you do with a pitcher after a tough outing like that? Well, you know, the good thing about Homer in, in both those games is he's attacking, he's throwing strikes. Look, if you look at it, you're playing in, in, in two nice ballparks, but they're very small ballparks. They're Homer ballparks. They're, they're, they're fly ball homers on certain days. Uh, the Hap Homer just got away from uh, on the outer half, and, and the guy put a good swing on the ball. Sometimes, you know, when you're facing really good teams and they're really good and you make mistakes, even if it's one mistake, the Hap Homer was a grand slam. That was kind of a knockout punch. I mean, other than that, the first three innings, he was really solid. Uh, and so, you know, you just get back to the basics. Here's the things that you should exploit a little bit more to right-handed hitters. Here's the things you need to exploit a little bit more to left-handed hitters. And then you got to get a little bit count sensitive at times. You know, you know, the split finger, is he throwing it for a strike or is it below the zone for chase? If he's not throwing it enough for a strike, we need something else that he can throw for a strike that's slow. Generally, his fastball uh, for me is, is uh, commanded. You know, he can use both sides of the plate. He can elevate really well. And then that, that split finger, you know, when he gets the hitters chasing, it's it's that much better. And then when he can land it behind in the count, it makes it even that much better. But if he can't land it that day, he's got to have something slow that he can land, his slider, so his curveball. I think he's really good at landing both of his breaking balls. It's just at what time he's landing those breaking balls. Yeah, we're getting a little PA system action here at the ballpark. Let's talk about the splitter, uh, Scott, because we've heard a lot about different pitches, two-seamer, four-seamer, cutter, curveball. What's the best way to throw a split-finger pitch? Well, for me, I, I, I like you know taking the two-seam fastball, splitting the fingers, and bringing the ring finger up on the ball to deaden the ball. You know, we talk about spin rate and we talk about RPMs on the fastball. Well, on the split finger, I want low RPMs. I want the ball to be loose. And the more the ball's loose, the more the ball will bottom out and fall out. So, uh, you know, there's some guys that uh, have really never taken to a changeup really well. So we experiment with a split finger. And, and a lot of two-seam sinker ball guys in my opinion, should throw more split fingers because the, the, the ring finger and the, minger, the middle finger are dominant fingers on your hand. Why would you take your, your, your um, or excuse me, your, yeah, why would you take your ring finger and your pinky finger and put those on the ball if it, the, 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 if the ball gets farther away from your thumb, you're going to slow the ball down, okay? And it's also going to be harder to command. But if you take your, your middle finger and your pointing finger, those are the two most dominant parts of your hand. So why not throw something off those two fingers slow? You know, generally guys like they throw the circle change and they get the ball away from their, their middle finger and their pointing finger and they get it on their, their ring finger and their pinky. Well, that's sometimes not 
hard to hold or command for some pitchers. So let's stay with the two fingers that we throw a, a, a fastball with and the two fingers that we throw a slider with, and let's just throw a split. Now, Homer has talked about pressure points. Can pressure <laughs> points on the ball make the ball do different things, Scott? Well, I think the pressure points, uh, what happened is kind of manipulate the wrist. If you put a lot of pressure on your middle finger, uh, your, your, your wrist will go, uh, for lack of a better term, me and be left-handed. It'll kind of set itself a little bit to the left. And if you take your, your pointing finger and you set it to, to the right, you're inside the ball. Me being left-handed, you're inside the ball a little bit more and you can pronate it uh, a little sooner. So, you know, pressure points do uh, do help you out. I mean, it, it not, it's hard. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody. I know uh, from what I've heard, uh, Maddox could put some pressure points on his sinker and make it do a little bit different things. But for me, it was always hard to, 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 to manipulate the ball with the tips of my fingers. Scott Emerson, the East pitching coach, is joining us on today's edition of Taking Effect, joining you on a beautiful day from down in the A's uh, bullpen down the left field line here at the Coliseum. And uh, you've done such a great job with the staff this year. And there are a lot of things that go on that we don't see, of course. Now, pitcher makes a start, and he's on a five-day cycle. Right after the game, what happens? Ice on the elbow up to the training room, wrap the shoulder. Take us through the, the things that happen for a starting pitcher from the time from after he makes a start until he makes his next start. Well, I can tell you that the times have changed. About 25 years ago, we used to dump our elbow into the uh, the beer ice and maybe uh, drink a cold pop, but uh, an adult beverage. But um, you know, there's so many different theories and so many different things. You know, there's guys that go upstairs after they pitch and they do more arm care. You know, they they work the arm so hard, they're just trying to to manipulate it and and. and keep it safe by doing a little bit more arm care. There's some guys that ice, there's some guys that stretch. There's some guys that go upstairs and ride the bike to get an immediate flush. So, uh, you know, but most guys generally, they, they'll go upstairs, do some arm care, and, um, you know, the next day is their one of their lifting days. They'll come in and they'll lift weights. Some guys don't throw the next day after they pitch. Some guys will get a little flush the day after. Then that uh, day two after you pitch is generally your bullpen day. That's the middle day. That's the middle day. That's your, your bullpen day and your arm care day. And, and you know, what I've really tried to emphasize with our guys uh, throwing bullpens is throw a competitive bullpen. Don't just get up here and, and, and make stuff up and just kind of throw to get loose. I, I always hated that. Yeah, that what percent term. of, like, full out, what percentage would you like of, of throwing full out, like, game speed? Would you want a pitcher to throw in the bullpen? Well, you know, we we do we do now have this device. Uh, it's a pocket radar, and uh, we pretty much radar every uh, every bullpen. But more times than not, the guys are throwing about ninety percent because they got to get the ball there. They and we want them to have, you know, good, solid, consistent mechanics. You know, uh, you know, Frankie Montas who throws ninety eight to one hundred, he'll throw his bullpen around about ninety miles an hour. Uh, um, so. You know, we'll, we'll back off on the number of throws. You know, I like about a 30-pitch bullpen, uh, give or take. You know, early in the season, you might get, be as high as 40. Towards the end of the season, you might cut it down. But at, at some point in time, you know, guys are working on a pitch. You know, they they gotta they got to, you know, work on their craft, too. It's not just come in here and just throw it and then, hey, we're done. So, you know, we want them to come in this bullpen we want them to have a, a good mindset that I'm working on something and I'm commanding the baseball with something on the ball. 
And then after their bullpen, it's one of their lifting days. They go up and they lift and they do their arm care with the athletic training staff. And, and you know, we call it prehab. You know, everybody knows what rehab is. That's after the injuries. We want to do prehab. We want our guys to stay fresh and stay strong all season long. The day after their side, which some guys will throw the side, you know, two days before they start. But they'll all throw and have a good throwing program, get their feet moving, move their baseball around, play nice, easy catch, maybe long toss. You know, I got a lot of different theories on long toss. I think we've touched on some of them throughout the the course of the season on the show. But um, we one thing we want our guys to do is throw, play catch. And a competitive bullpen would mean putting yourself in situations that you might that, that you might face during a game strikes you know throwing strikes you know having the ability to go in go away you know what are the sequences that you're going to use who you playing uh next game who you starting against uh go through their lineup and think you know one thing i, I still and, and it's a it's a continual fight all year long it'll be a continual fight as long as I'm ever a pitching coach, but I always hear pitchers say, like with their last 10 or 15, all right, let's face some hitters now. And I always go, well, what, have you, what were the first 15 for? Every pitch you throw in the bullpen has to have a purpose that somebody is standing in that box. It's a, it, it, that's what makes you mentally strong. You're not just getting up there, lifting up your leg, dropping your arm and throwing it and, woo, that was a nice strike. No, you gotta have a thought process behind every pitch in this bullpen. Look, I'm going down and away to this guy and boom, land it. I'm going in off the plate here, boom. Landed. So we want that. We want that mindset to be competitive. Because if, if if you think about starting pitchers, you're every fifth day, maybe every sixth with an off day. That's only one day a week, pretty much, that you're being competitive. No, I need you to yeah. be competitive off this mound today, in the bullpen. So when you get in the game, your preparation has separated yourself from the other guy, and that you go in this game and you're prepared to move your ball around. You know, now you mentioned long toss, and just to follow up on that. And a little over a year ago, Liam Hendricks was DFA'd by the A's. He was available for other clubs around baseball. Winds up going back down to AAA to Nashville last year. Changes his throwing program. Uh, Can something like that, I mean, in his case, something like that has really helped his game and also really added a couple of ticks on his fastball? Well, the the one thing the the throwing program has helped Liam out is timing up his his delivery. You know, he gets a good shuffle step and he throws it. He's not throwing it, you know, 100 feet in the air. He's keeping it with a, a little bit of a hump and he's putting some effort behind the ball. And he's not really changing his mechanics too much. I really don't want guys changing their mechanics too much. Uh, They can change it a little bit, and what we can call that being athletic. But um, in reality, what we do is we pitch for a living. So I want you working on your effort level, picking up your effort level. If you want to throw hard, you know what you got to do, Ken? Mm -hmm. you got to throw hard. You just can't go out there and lob the baseball around and expect yourself to go out there and throw hard in the game. You got to have some conviction, some some intent to throw hard. You know, I listen to and and laugh about all these guys that oh, I can get your son to throw harder. I get your son to throw harder. You give me four weeks with him every day, and I make him throw. He's going to throw harder. So you're saying if I, I can hit the golf ball farther, if I swing harder, right? Yeah. yeah. Then eventually you're going to have to hone in your swing to get it on the fairway. You know, our, our guys, we I guarantee it all our pitchers could throw a couple miles an hour harder. They might lose command. 
So, you know, the object of the game is still get the hitter out. So we can't get up there and just throw it as hard as we can and not know where it's going. But we can increase velocity with intent. So let's get some intent. Uh, get yourself moving down the slope of the mound. And then uh, then you harness in your command and your skills when you get on the mound. Now, A.J. Puck makes his A's <laughs> debut in the second game of the Yankee series, faces three batters, and uh, fastball registers around 99 miles an hour. Uh, Scott, you've spent a lot of time with him over the last couple of years, and especially this year in spring training, but now you were away from him for virtually the entire season as he was rehabbing and then beginning the long process to come back on his rehab assignments in the minor leagues. Where do you go from here with AJ? Well, you know, AJ, when you're when you're throwing a, a fastball at that velocity and you're you're you got a, a exploding breaking ball, you just need to get out there. You need to get experience. You know, you you look at the game he pitched against the Yankees. This guy's coming into his first major league game in a six to four game. That wasn't exactly a soft landing. That's not a soft landing, and, and he's facing the New York Yankees, one of the best teams in the major leagues this year. So, you know, he went out there and, and battled with what he had, and as he gains uh, experience of standing on that big league mound with the crowd and the teams. He's just going to get better and better and better. He's got the arsenal. Now it's about learning how to pitch, learning the hitters. Uh, and just as much as he's learning the hitters, the hitters are learning him too. So he's going to have to be able to make some adjustments at times. But right now we just want him to attack the strike zone, throw strikes, use his breaking ball, be a little bit unpredictable, and we'll go from there with AJ. The last thing with Scott Emerson would be before a ball game. Uh, you're in the clubhouse with that night's catcher, the starting pitcher, yourself, going over the game plans, going over the hitters. Take us inside that meeting. Well, you, you know, like I said, uh, Pike Goldschmidt and Marcus Jensen and I, uh, we formulate a game plan based on every pitcher. So every, er, all our pitchers have uh, a scouting report tailored to them. Uh, that we would like them to use. Now, obviously, you know, these guys get out in, in the heat of the battle and uh, feel like they have to do something else to compete because I, I said I, we, we need our guys to be out there throwing pitches with conviction. You know, if I say, hey, you throw this guy a slider, if you miss and throw him another slider and they're not feeling it, Okay, we got to have a second option. What's your second option? So, so the meeting we're, we're just going over, you know, who our base runners are for the other team, who's stealing bases, who's bunting, who are contact situational type hitters, who are power guys, who are looking to turn and burn, hit homers, who who who's willing to go the other way and move runners. Uh, what what is our best way to attack this hitter early? What's our best way to attack this hitter late? Um, our, our catchers do wear a wristband, so they got it on there but those are guidelines and the starting pitcher is out in the middle of the battle and stuff happens you you know something happens during the game and he might not be feeling a certain pitch and and that's the pitch he should be throwing but he's not feeling it so he's got to make an alternative decision of what we're doing so we want to make him educated on what's the best alternative decision if you're not feeling this certain pitch so there is a lot that goes into this game plan I mean, there's so much analytics that go into it, the hitters, the pitcher strengths, the hitters exit velos, and and I mean, there's so much that go into it that uh, it's a lot of fun uh, putting it together, and Pike does a great job for us on the analytical side, and then we got to, Marcus and I have to to understand what the pitcher can and can't do and, and formulate that game plan. In summation here, as we get set to turn the page to September and the final month of the baseball season, 
you have to feel great about the way this has been going so far. Well, you know, I, when the guys come out here and they compete every day, that's all I can ask, you know. I love winning baseball games. Uh, the organization loves winning baseball yeah. games. The players, the it's coaches. It's fun for staff. everybody. It's fun for everybody. So, the, 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 but like I said, if we're prepared, that's the one thing I want us to be is prepared each and every day, and that's mentally and physically. Some guys, you know, the the, the physical part is, is is probably easier because you just go out there every day and do your routine. It's the mental grind, it's the plane flights, it's the uh, it's the uh, the one thing that ran into the uh, airplane in Texas, and then we were late going to Tampa. It's it's the constant uh, two day two night games followed by oh man, I got to get up at seven. 30 in the morning again that's the grind that's the mental part where our guys have got to say hey this is what we signed up for and we got to be mentally tough down the stretch that nothing bothers us and we got a great group of guys here and and, and we got a great ball club and we got a guys who want to play and who want to compete and so for me showing up every day and watching these uh young men play is awesome all right thanks Simo. great job Thank you. All right, Scott Emerson joining us on today's edition of Taking Effect. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.